This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself or the coronavirus itself will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? The problem with believing in the Christian worldview and agreeing that we must apply the gospel of Christ to a situation like racism is that by necessity, you must believe certain things to be true. For example, if you believe that Christ died to atone for your sins and the sins of all who would believe, then it follows that no individual can atone for their own sin, especially a sin of racism. Even more so, a sin of racism that someone else claims that a person may possess. Now, if a person has committed the sin of racism and then repented of that sin and asked for forgiveness, then guess what? It's Christ who has redeemed that person and atoned for that sin. And if that sin was committed against you personally, then... As a Christian, as a Christ follower, you are actually commanded to forgive. Another concern that we see is that people who have never experienced the atrocity that is slavery, they're demanding reparations. They're demanding a payment for something that they have never experienced in their life. Now, at its core, this has nothing to do with righting a wrong. It has more to do with people who just want free money without having to work for it. We've got a program for that. It's called welfare, which is a system that has been eating away at our country from the inside out for decades. What began as a means to assist people during the Depression in order to get them back on their feet and make them self-sufficient again in 30 years had mutated into a way of bringing about destruction of the family unit primarily within the black community. And this would later evolve into a future career path for many. Welfare, hashtag life goals. In this country, we currently have some who are third generation career welfare recipients. We've created a culture that thinks they deserve whatever they want and everyone else just has to pay for it, whether they've earned it or not, whether they're entitled to it or not. 
And if they throw a big enough temper tantrum, they think they'll just get it. In order to be a Christian and demand reparations for something that did not happen to you from someone that did nothing to you except be born of a different skin color than you means that you logically have to get rid of grace and forgiveness. To the woke church, biblical forgiveness is never woke enough. In fact, the woke church erases the gospel and reinstates law. Not to mention that they will let you know when you're not following the law according to their standards and bring about false accusations against you for your failings. Seems like I've read about a group of people like that, but their name escapes me. Oh well. In our application of the gospel, we find ourselves at the necessity of applying grace and forgiveness in the conversation. Thus far, we have come together to pray with one another, we have established our standard upon God's word, and we have listened to the explanation of certain experiences. But we must ask certain questions that allow us to analyze their experience. Remember, we don't just hold the standpoint epistemology. We have to view experiences through the lens of Scripture, and we have to be able to ask certain questions to find out if what they experienced was actually what they experienced. One question that we need to ask is, are they harboring any bitterness and unforgiveness against certain people for the experiences which they have had. This could hinder them from actually moving forward in their relationship with Christ. Is this something that they dwell on? We need to be able to ask those questions. It has been well said that harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping that the other person dies. It is also true that a person may think they have forgiven a, another person or a group of people for something that was done to them, but they truly have not. This, over time, can eat away at an individual. This may be an issue that uh, the one you're engaging with may need to further talk through this experience because there, there could possibly be a great amount of hurt there or anger there that's not allowing forgiveness to actually take place. And while I know that this is intended to be a conversation between two people, this could be an instance that you're not qualified to handle. It may be too much for you. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to stop and ask if it's okay to involve a pastor. This person may be in need of some serious shepherding. Side note, pastors. This is where you will actually have to be a pastor. Now, I know, I know, I know. You think your job is just to preach on Sundays and you don't do counseling. If that is your thinking, you're not a pastor. You're a preacher. As a pastor, sermon prep and preaching are roughly 20% of your job. 
The other 80 is ministering to your congregation. Why? Because you have people under your care who are hurting, angry, struggling with sin, struggling with doubt. The list can go on. The Puritan Richard Baxter, he had some areas of questionable theology. But one thing he did get right was his book, The Reformed Pastor. This man would meet with the members of his church weekly to minister to them and catechize them. Pastors, do you know whether the people under your care even possess orthodox beliefs? I'm willing to bet there are some that the Lord has placed you. And let me emphasize that again. The Lord placed you over, not a small group leader, not some outside council, you. He has placed you over them, and you either don't know that they follow false heretical ministries or teachings, or you know, and you don't care. He who desires to do the service of the Lord does desire a noble task. But there will be a judgment for how you shepherd the people under your care. And ministering to the Lord's people may mean that you have to cancel that hunting trip. You may have to postpone that family vacation, that big conference. You may even have to go Saturdays without college football or nights without Major League Baseball. It's a rough life, I know. But as the Lord's servant, the health and well-being of your flock necessarily comes immediately after your family because that is the vocation you were called to. Back to the conversation. Now, in the case of an individual harboring bitterness or anger, we want to discuss forgiveness. This is, we want to bring this conversation further into forgiveness, what it means to forgive and how to forgive. As believers, we should understand that we are to forgive much because we have been forgiven much. We have sinned and we still sin every day against a holy God, and we deserve death. But the gospel demonstrates that Christ died in our place in order to bring about the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation, not just with God, but with one another. And we are to be reconciled to our brother. We're told that over and over again in scripture, be reconciled to your brother. We are told to forgive 70 times seven, regardless of what has been done to us. The Christian life is one of extending forgiveness. Welcome back to the Conversation Chronicles. Uh, I'm here again with Chris, and this episode, we're going to be talking about forgiveness, extending forgiveness and grace. Now, this is uh, mainstays in the gospel, right? Th this is necessity. This is elementary when you really start to think about it, uh, elementary fundamentals of the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ, and that's extending grace, learning how to extend grace, and then learning how to extend forgiveness as well. And a lot of times, 
we think that the sins we commit, we deserve grace and we deserve forgiveness, but we're not so quick to extend that to other people. So now how do we fix that? How do we remedy that, right? We're, we're talking uh, about race and racism and we're in this conversation, we're, we're listening to the experiences that, that a person has had, but they, it sounds like they, they may be harboring some bitterness, they're harboring some anger, they can't quite let some things go and extend forgiveness. Right, yeah, well, what's interesting, man, uh, about, with what we're talking about, right? We're talking about, uh, we're having a conversation about applying the gospel when it comes to issues of race and racism. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that you continue to see and have seen for a long time is um, this, th th this concept of unforgiveness, this concept of, uh, th that's ultimately where the thought of reparations and mm -hmm. racial reconciliation comes into play, is that... Um, you know, that, that there's something to be paid back for sins committed. Right. Um, and, and one of the things that you see in today's world um, is, is it just seems like a lot of social justicians and, um, and, 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 and to be honest, a lot of um, the, the woke crowd, uh, the woke evangelicals, uh, like a Jamar Tisby, um, that... That, that, that refuse to extend grace and forgiveness, um, even though there are people that have not sinned against him or mm -hmm. them right. directly. And mm -hmm. where this stems from is something uh, that we saw written back in the 60s and 70s by James Cone. In his book, uh, Black Theology and Black Power, he says this, quote, reconciliation on white racist terms is impossible for black people since it would crush the dignity of black people under these conditions. And listen to this blacks must treasure their hostility, bringing it fully into consciousness as an irreducible quality of their identity period, close quote. And, and again, that's from James Cone's book, black theology and black power. And, and look at look at how and where we're seeing this anti-biblical language permeate today. And 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 remember, now we're speaking directly to uh, churches and believers. Mm -hmm. right. And and today, 2020, we're seeing people like Lecrae and uh, Tabidi, and I can't I can never pronounce his last name correctly. Anyabwili. Thank you, sir. Uh, and others that are telling and showing people that they should care more about their identity as a black person before mm -hmm. being in Christ. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and then they're accusing others of sin by proxy, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the, and, and, but even, even if there is someone that has committed any sort of hatred towards you, whether it's ethnic hatred or any other type of hatred, uh, that anybody tries to assign any other ism to, um, we have a responsibility and a command. Mm -hmm. It's an imperative in the scriptures to forgive mm -hmm. as you've been forgiven. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we see that um, uh, Matthew 18, 
right? Matthew 18, 21, when Peter comes to Jesus and says, you know, if my brothers sinned against me, how many times am I to forgive him? And he says, seven times. And Jesus, his response is, I don't tell you seven times. In fact, 70 times seven, which is, uh, he's not saying, you know, seven, 70 times seven, that's how many times. It's to demonstrate that it's, it's a great amount of number that you just, you, you keep on forgiving, yeah, he's not telling you to count 490 times in this. Right. Gun. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. He 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 he's saying, you know what? You keep on forgiving your brother. And the, I mean, and, and when we look in uh uh first John, right? The hatred towards our brother. If we say that we're in Christ and we're in the light, yet we hate our brother, whether that be someone who hates us because of our skin color or someone that is our skin color hating someone of another skin color. If we say we're in Christ and we have the light, yet we hate our brother, we're a liar, mm-hmm. right? And I covered that in the first episode. Um, but uh, this whole thing about forgiveness, it's really, I, I, I mean, in, it, it's an attitude. It, it, it's really a, a negation of the gospel. It's saying, I don't believe this to actually be true. Well, I believe it to be true for me, right? Christ died for my sin and my sin needs to be forgiven, but I don't know that I can forgive this over here. Well, and we need to remember uh, ultimately, and I'm glad you said that, you know, the behavior and attitude thing, we have to remember that. um, Well, I mean, just like you and I were talking earlier, right? We were talking offline um, that, and you mentioned it in the opening monologue that I think one of the reasons that so many people um, struggle with um, ultimately end up struggling with, uh, forgiving, um, and, and, and letting things go and not harboring any sort of hatred or resentment or bitterness in their hearts is because ultimately, I, I mean, I think it goes back to the, 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 the basics, um, of, of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Do we understand as Christians, you know, when, 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 when Jesus prays for our sanctification in John 17, he starts with sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Mm-hmm. So he's starting with the doctrine of God. Really. If you think about that, because right. he's saying sanctify them in the truth, your word, God, father, your word is truth. So, but then he immediately moves into the doctrine of sin mm-hmm. and, and the fact that that you have to understand what sin is. And brother, I can't tell you the last time I was in a church, and I'm not saying this hasn't happened, because I know for a fact it has, because I listened to sermons by by Dr. Josh Bice, Dr. John MacArthur, Vody Bauckham, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But when was the last time that you were in a church um, in person and heard someone truly unpack and remind uh, us of the doctrine of sin? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what sin is, where it stems from, and the fact that, that we, our sin doesn't make us a sinner. We sin because we are sinners. Right. Right. It's the, it's the behavior behind the act. And mm-hmm. when you look at, you know, you and I study the Puritans a good bit. We encourage uh, everyone to do that as well. But when you look at what the Puritans taught and the way the Puritans taught, um, and not just with their words, and I know we're going to get into that, but they taught about sin. Their whole Mm -hmm. thing was to use the law of Christ, the law of God found in the scriptures as a tutor to incite sin. Mm -hmm. 
So, and ultimately how this all ties into, and I'm going to turn it back over to you, how this ties into forgiveness is, is do we truly understand what we've been forgiven from and mm-hmm. therefore are, are we constantly removing our eyes from ourselves, looking to Christ for our sanctification, but then examining our own selves, our own actions, thoughts, and motives. So That's, that's right. So when we... And you mentioned, you know, churches, right? So if you were to take, I don't know, the, the top five most popular ministries and, and churches in just in America, right? How often do they preach about sin or even reference sin, right? I mean, I'm talking Elevation, right? Stephen Furtick, Bethel, right? Bill Johnson, you've got Carl Lentz. Talk about a, talk about a compromiser, Carl Lentz has aligned himself with Marxists. Yes. I mean, uh, Bethel is a false church, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stephen Furtick. uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Stephen Furtick needs to get away from modalists and and stop making things about about him and us. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, go ahead. Sorry, I digress. I I mean, you got those three, but then you also have the guys like uh, Joel Osteen, and then we'll throw in just just so we can be you know equal, uh, Joyce Meyer, right? We'll we'll get a woman in there, even though there's no such thing as a woman pastor. Uh, <laughs> That's an interesting list you're choosing. Well, no, so so I say Joyce Meyer because what she teaches is she teaches she's no longer a sinner. She has uh, taught sinless like perfection. Todd White. Yeah, yeah. Like Todd White, yeah, who's another popular uh, false preacher nowadays but i mean you make a great point that sin is not taught from these from these pulpits and when you have these congregations right that number in the thousands crowds 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 okay crowds crowds so that in their their crowds that number in the thousands and then you add on the fans that listen to them through podcasts or YouTube or things like that. I mean, you, you could be in the millions, especially if you stretch worldwide. People don't have a right understanding of sin and the sinfulness of sin, right? Which, by the way, it, you mentioned Puritans. Get Everyone get Ralph Venning's The Sinfulness of Sin, mm-hmm. the Puritan paperback, and also get John Owen's Mortification of Sin. Yes. Paperback as well. Um, and if you want more on the mortification of sin, go to our podcast, Matter of Theology. We actually did uh, several episodes, I think, uh, talking about the mort- walking through that book, The Mortification of Sin. But the under- a right understanding of sin helps us to understand our position as, it, as we relate to a holy God. And, you know, talking about the Puritans again, Puritan preaching has a right understanding of the use of the law as a tutor, as a, as a school teacher, yeah. in order to lead us into the application of the gospel. Well, can I can I back up for just a second? I mean, because mm-hmm. that that list that you that you that you, I mean, that's it's a pretty bad list. That's a, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I mean, I would even I would even take a step away from from them because. Ultimately, if we're if we're if we're evaluating, and, and I'm using specific language here, if we're evaluating those people, 
um, and their goal, mm -hmm. their goal in preaching, um, based upon the, the content of their sermons, um, is, is not the goal of preaching that you find in this book. Right. Um, so, but, but so, so taking a step away from that, like I would even say, you know, to the, the, you know, I, I think back to where I, I went to church and, and the church that I was, um, uh, born again in, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, and, and most churches, when it comes to gospel presentations, you know, it's all about, um, you know, you don't need to worry about sin right, right now. That'll come later. You just need to come to Christ and give yourself to Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Accept Christ, make him your savior, walk forward, sign a card, um, extend the right hand of fellowship, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not saying that any of those things are bad if true conversion is taking place. Mm -hmm. But then second, um, you know, you, you have the, you know, you, you, you have messages uh, as far as, you know, the, the people saying, you know, continue to look, look to Christ, look to Christ, look to Christ, take your eyes off of yourself. And, and that's only half of it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We constantly have to be examining ourselves. I mean, so, so going back to the whole church thing and the pastor's thing uh, is, you know, it's, it's, it's weak preaching. Yeah. It's, it's right. weak pastoral preaching. Mm -hmm. It's not the whole gospel. Um, now look, there are going to be those, those out there who listen to this and say, Hey, there he goes again. There they go again. Talk, you know, thinking that they know best and they're criticizing everybody. No, no, no. That's not it because God can use do anything meant for evil for his good. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that the purposes are evil, but what I am saying is you don't find the whole point of saying that is you don't find a robust exposition um, consistently uh, from from pastors and church leaders for the most part mm -hmm. truly talking about the sinfulness of sin its origins it, how we wrestle with it struggle with it our sanctification um, and ultimately if we don't have that foundation um, and understanding that it is going to be a, a lot more difficult for us to forget so that's right. Yeah. Um, so now I kind of want to move into uh, when we have a proper understanding of the sinfulness of sin, we understand that if we persist in sin, there's a following judgment that will occur. Now, to us who have been, uh, who, who have submitted our lives to Christ, who, who the Holy Spirit has, has, has drawn to himself, right? We've had that heart change. We've had regeneration. We've come to repentance and faith in Christ. Uh, we are now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Uh, we have received forgiveness of our sins. And we then are to extend forgiveness to others for their wrongs against us but we should also seek the for, uh, seek other people uh and, and encourage them to extend forgiveness and we should seek their salvation uh you, you, i mean what i'm really getting to here is the book of jonah the story of jonah because what we see in our culture a lot of is we see especially in the woke church okay we see people that have this kind of pharisaical attitude where you have to do these things. You have to enter into your anti-racism work, 
But when you don't do it right, they're going to tell you that you're not doing it right. And ultimately, you can never do it right. And there's never an end to it. It's never but enough. It's never enough. But what they have is they have the, the mind of Jonah for destruction. Right? If you think back to the book of Jonah, Jonah was called to be a prophet to the land of Nineveh. He was to go and preach to them repentance from their sin, turn to God, so that their land would not be destroyed, so that God would not rain down his judgment upon them. Jonah did not want to go. Why? Because he knew that God would extend grace if Nineveh repented. He would extend grace and he would extend mercy, things that the woke church does not extend. So Jonah flees. He goes to Tarshish, but uh, he's on the boat. The, uh, waves come. You know, he says he tells the men. He says, "Throw me over." You know, this is because of me and my disobedience to God. So he th they throw him over. Causes a big fish. You know the story of Jonah and the big fish. Coughs him up on the sea or on the seashore, and then the Lord comes to Jonah again. Tells him to go to Nineveh. And, and do what he told them the first time, preach repentance so that, so that they can repent. He goes, he preaches repentance. And what happens? Nineveh repents. They believe the word of God so that they're now acting in obedience accordance to the word of God that was given to them through Jonah. And what happens? Jonah gets angry. Throws a pity party. He throws a pity party. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's so upset at God's extension of grace and mercy. He could not extend grace and mercy. He wanted to see the destruction of this city. He did not want them to have grace and mercy from the Lord. And what we see in the culture now no matter what you do, it's never enough. You must continue to pay for your sin or the sin that someone says you have, even though you don't have that sin, until your destruction. They want to reap upon you the destruction that Jonah wanted for Nineveh. Right. Well, and when you look at look at social justicians and the woke evangelical, um, you know, and and is is just like I said before, brother, and, and 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 that's a great parallel to the book of Jonah because it's never enough. Mm -hmm. It's never enough. And remember that quote by James Cone. Say, and 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 this man said that that blacks must treasure their hostility. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to read another quote um, by my brother uh, Daryl Harrison of the Just Thinking podcast in his uh, in their episode when forgiveness isn't woke enough. Mm -hmm. He says this quote. Now. In the current sociocultural milieu, which we find ourselves in today, there's no greater sin that a black person in America can commit than to not fully recognize or embrace his or her blackness. Now, this is also the case within certain segments within evangelicalism, as certain evangelical churches embrace the social gospel or the gospel of social justice. Now, there is an element of the social gospel or what I prefer to call, quote, woke evangelicalism, close quote, in which it becomes the responsibility and obligation of every black Christian to come into full awareness or appreciation of his or her blackness to esteem or revere his or her ethnicity above 
everything else. Period. That, close again, that's Lecrae and that's Tabidi. Exactly. Okay. Now, in Scripture, in Scripture, when someone forgives, they are glorifying God. That's right. It, it has been said, and I want to say it was Stephen Lawson that said it, that you are, you are no more like, you are no more like God in character, and I'm paraphrasing. You're no more like God in character than you when you forgive, and when you don't forgive, you're no more like the devil. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you see people continue to harbor hostility and harbor hatred, and, and typically it's against people they don't even know who have done nothing to them. Right, They're accusing right. them of that sin by proxy. And when you withhold forgiveness, you are being like your father, the devil. That's right. That's right. Now, we need to know if we're having this conversation with someone and we, we recognize they're harboring some bitterness, right? We've, we've asked them, you know, I understand you've had this experience in your life. It, are you, are, you're still angry about that, right? You're, you're still, you still, when you talk about it, there's a little agitation. There's a little bitterness coming forth. Have you extended forgiveness? Mm. Now, how do we actually go about telling them about extending forgiveness, about how to actually extend that? Well, I mean, ultimately you have to, uh, again, you, you stick to scripture, right? We've talked about this. You know, the standard is, the standard is God's word. So mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't back off there. Right. Um, but, then, but then you need to make sure that as, we, as we've discussed at, at this time, um, that number one, they truly understand the sinfulness of sin. They understand what you've been forgiven from, uh, who you've been forgiven from, mm-hmm. that we have been forgiven in Christ by God from God mm-hmm. because of our sin. Um, and then you need to stick to Scripture as far as what mm-hmm. Scripture states about how we are to, to extend that forgiveness to others. Um, when you look at how Jesus taught us to pray, Right? Forgive us our trespasses as we what? We forgive those who have sinned, trespassed, or transgressed against us. First mm-hmm. uh, John says that as well, that we are to extend forgiveness. We, as human beings, as people who wrestle with the flesh, as, as Paul stated in Romans 7, wretched man that I am, um, how... How in Romans 7, I think back to Romans 7, uh, verse 8, when when Paul talks about the desire to sin is still there. Um, If that desire is still there in us, what makes us think that we are above God and that we can Mm -hmm. withhold our forgiveness when if they ask God for his forgiveness, he is quick to forgive? That's right. So, so, so it, you have to put that in front of people. Mm-hmm. You have to remind them of what forgiveness is, what we've been forgiven mm-hmm. from, and what makes us think. I mean, just brother, just like what you said, okay, you had a wonderful parallel to Jonah, right? So flipping over to the book of Jonah, and I was there, and then I moved off of it, but I, wanna, I can get there really quickly again. Um, but you look at what, what the Lord does, how, um, how uh, Jonah's displeased, and, and the Lord rebukes him. Right? right, he goes up mm-hmm. on a hill. Um, the Lord it says in verse six, uh, and the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But then God appointed a worm 
um, and, and it attacked the plant, the plant died, right? And so, so Jonah laments again and said, death is better uh, to me than life. And then God, God said, you know, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And, and Jonah said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on a plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, since uh, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left hand, as well as many animals? So, so there, there, God is asking that question of Jonah and going, Jonah, should I not have compassion on them? Mm-hmm. You know, you think back to the book of Job, where were you when I created the foundation of the world? Right. You know, we, we, we can't be afraid to gently, in love, but in truth, be very clear with, with, with the fact that, hey, it's not up to you, and you are in no place to withhold forgiveness right. to someone who has sinned against you directly. Right. Now, if no one has sinned against you directly and you're accusing someone of, I'm going to use it again, sin by proxy, which is nowhere in scripture, mm-hmm. by the way, we are told multiple places in scripture that we are responsible for our own sin, period. Then that's a different issue. Mm-hmm. Then, then you are the one who needs to repent. Right. Um, because ultimately what you've done is you've made an idol out of this. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is, yes, it's how you feel. And I, I hear you. I, I, I see that you're in pain, but mm-hmm. I'm thinking, not I'm thinking, I know that your pain and, and what you're feeling is being informed by something that's not found in the scriptures. Right, right. So now <clears throat> in discussing forgiveness, this is letting go an action or a thought or something that, or a sin that has been committed against you, regardless of what it is, right? Regardless of what it is. It's because here's another parallel, us and God, we sin against God every Mm. single day. That's right. By both commission and omission. That's right. Now, in our sin against God, like you said, you know, when we repent, he's faithful and just to forgive us. There's no question about it. He doesn't even think twice about it. Mm-hmm. But we are hesitant to forgive. So something that is done against me, I need to look at this person, right? And I need to say, you know what? I sin against a holy God every, every day. Mm-hmm. And he forgives me, though he has no right to. Mm-hmm. Therefore, whatever action you have committed against me, I need to let it go. I need to set it aside. And I need to be reconciled with my brother. That's right. That's right. I, uh, when you said that, man, it made me, you know, our enmity. And that's the problem, right? Our, our enmity against, uh, that, that we have against God. The problem is that, mm-hmm. um, ultimately. Um, and, and, I, and I think you said it on one of the other episodes that we recorded where you said um, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, through, through that, it's the power of God and salvation so that we could be reconciled to God right? Mm -hmm. That vertical relationship with our, our heavenly father could be made right. Mm -hmm. And then we've been given the ability to be reconciled with Mm -hmm. 
every, everyone else in the household of faith, mm -hmm. um, even those outside of it. Right. And so I thought about this quote from Dr. John MacArthur. He says this quote, grace, this is grace, God's loving forgiveness, exemption from judgment and promise of temporal and eternal blessings given to guilty and condemned sinners freely without any worthiness on their part and based on nothing they have done or failed to do. Mm -hmm. That's grace. That's right. Exclamation point, close mm -hmm. quote. Um, so when, when you look at extending grace to someone, there's your example. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at Christ um, on the cross. You look at Christ saying, forgive them. They know yeah. not, that, they know right. not what they're yeah. doing. He, in that moment, when truly he is the only one that could ever stand and say, this is not fair. Right. Um, I heard R.C. Sproul talk about that, you know, once. How, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, bad things don't happen to good people. Right. Bad things only happen to one good person, and his name was Jesus Christ. Right. Um, the real I, question I, is, why do good things happen to bad people? Exactly. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, so, so again, it's all about the presupposition that we start with. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the, the starting point. And if your starting point is wretched man that I am, if your starting point is, I don't deserve this, I don't deserve this grace, I don't deserve what I have been given and blessed with um, in my relationship with the Lord um, and all that he has blessed me with, because I am guilty, I am condemned, um, and I am not worthy in any way, shape, or form, uh, but he is, you know, um, then, then, man, that, that, that completely, that completely sets, sets everything else in motion. That, right. that, that allows everything else to fall into place because then you go, you know what? I don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. I am going to forgive you because I've been forgiven much. Right. I know the list of my own sins that I've mm -hmm. committed and I'm still here. The Lord mm -hmm. still blesses me and is still using me mm -hmm. for his glory and for his purposes. Who am I to withhold forgiveness? Right. And let, let me extend that further, right? Because we're talking about believers, believer to believer. Right. But you mentioned Christ on the cross. His was holy God to unbelievers. So that means even if someone has sinned against us and they're not a believer, well, now we're still to extend forgiveness. Absolutely. Why? Because that is the visual display of the gospel at work within us. Come on. Come on. And those people who are unbelievers, they need to see that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because here's what, you know, I think back to, um, uh, I, I quoted, uh, from, from Daryl, uh, from the just thinking podcast and, uh, that episode of when forgiveness, uh, isn't woke enough was all about the, it was centered upon the story. And you may remember this of Brant John, uh, the kid who right. yeah. his brother, uh, was shot and killed by, um, a, a girl named April, uh, Dwyer or Geyer. Um, and, at the sentencing hearing, and he she was a police there. officer. Yes, she was a police officer. He gets up there and says, I'm going to paraphrase. I don't have the quote right in front of me, but he says, look, I'm not going to condemn you. I want you to turn to God and turn to Jesus Christ. I forgive you. I love you as a person. He asks the judge to give her a hug and then does so. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the judge ends up giving her a Bible. I mean, it was a beautiful, absolutely God glorifying and beautiful display of forgiveness and grace. And what did the social justices do? What did Jamar Tisby hmm. do? Who, by the way, is a part of the Acts 29 network. 
Um, what did he do? He gets on, he writes for the Washington Post and gets on Twitter. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not enough. Right. And then, and then you have people like Bishop Talbert Swan um, and et cetera. I mean, uh, on down the list who, who are condemning this kid because he put his identity in Christ above his blackness. That's right. And said, I have a responsibility. But not only is it like, okay, I guess I'll forgive you, but he was eager to do so mm-hmm. because right. he understood the gospel. And he even said, I, I believe he said this, um, that while he was while he was going through that, he said, I didn't talk about this with my parents, so they might be upset with me. Yeah, he said, I speak for myself and not yeah, the rest of my family. That's, that's right. But then, but then the rest of his family agreed with him. Right. The rest right. of his family backed them right. up. They, his they, dad said, because we raised yeah. him that way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They asked, they asked his dad, what do you think about your son's actions? And he said, he said, that's how we raised our son to be. That's right. right. That's right. Well, and so, and why do we do that? Why do we forgive unbelievers? Why do we forgive those who transgress against us? Matthew five says this in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Hmm. That's, that's why we forgive. That's why we're called to, commanded to, and truly, truly, if we have comprehended what Christ has done for us, if we are if we are poor in spirit, if we mourn over our sin, if we're gentle, if, if, if those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied, if we're merciful, right? Blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Pure in heart, peacemakers. Who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we are free, yep. right? When we harbor that, that unforgiveness and that bitterness, we're shackled. Mm-hmm. We're shackled in sin thinking that the cross of Christ, the shed blood of Jesus wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm so glad you brought up that, that court trial. Um, because I want to tell a parable. All right. And it's about uh, a young man whose brother was murdered. Uh, and a social justician who writes... The man, the young man whose brother was killed, went to his brother's killer and forgave her. The social justician who claims to be in Christ says that's not enough. Only one of those honored the Lord. That's right. That. Only one of those honored the Lord. One, yeah. one came to be an intermediary between between God and the sinner. He was that intermediary that said, I beg you, turn to Christ Mm. and you will be forgiven. The other said, that's not enough. Christ is not enough. Christ's blood is not sufficient for her because she is a white woman that killed a black man. Only one of those were honored God. And I'll tell you who, who didn't, Jamar Tisby didn't. That's why I don't understand anyone that can hold to anything he says. 
or, or anyone like him, like Eric Mason as well. Yeah, I, brother, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, and, um, but, 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 but let me say this, if they were to repent of that and come out and seek forgiveness, what are we to do? Forgive, forgive, forgive. And, and guess what? Guess what? They've never sinned against me personally. That's right. I don't have anything to forgive them for. Mm-hmm. However, it's, it's, you know, at that point, at that point, I don't need to create something. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't need to go, oh, really? We'll see how long that lasts. Mm-hmm. I need to go, hey, praise the Lord. The Lord is doing a work in your heart and he's shown you. Uh, mm-hmm. Open your eyes to the truth of His Word. Um, that 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 the social gospel and mm-hmm. uh, and and being woke uh, is not biblical. Uh, in fact, it's antithetical to the biblical worldview. I mean, I'm praising the Lord for that. And I'm mm-hmm. praising the Lord for you, dude. Let's let's kind of change gears for a moment. Okay. Just for just for a moment, uh, a, a little sidetrack. Oh, remember when Benny Hinn came out and yeah. said that uh, that that. that yeah. That he's turned over a new leaf. The prosperity gospel is, you know, he, he's doing away with it. There were, because he's done that a couple times, right. there were many that came out and did just what you said. Yeah, we'll see how that's going to last, you, you know, throwing shade. But then there were some that said, well, hold on, hold on. Let's wait. Because, because what else was going on? I mean, you got Costi that's trying to talk to him and give him the true gospel, right? So there's a lot of things just kind of in motion that we don't know what God could be doing through all of that. So let's wait, let's not throw, throw shade and, and and let's just kind of let it play out. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That, that That's it, man. I, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, you know, it, you know, again, just, okay, just kind of shifting gears just for a second. <laughs> um, you know, you, you go back to 1 Corinthians 13, right? Uh, this, this rebuke, this, this rebuke that Paul is writing and, um, you know, and, and, and we're all familiar with this passage, um, you know, but, but one of the things I want to point out um, is, uh, is specifically in verse seven, it says, you know, love, speaking of love still, Paul says, uh, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, mm-hmm. um, endures all things. That hopes in all things is, is you know, we as believers are to be um, lean towards the optimistic side right. and go, hey, you know, I, I mean, if, if, there's, if there's somebody doing work, uh, the Lord's doing a work in someone's heart, um, we don't just need to go, you know, I don't believe, no, yeah, okay. Because, hey, look, Oh, Fred's at it again. You know, he's yeah, know. born well, again hey, for the 18th time this year. Check this out. When I was, when I was a new believer, um, the church I was going to, um, what, what, and a lot of people don't know this and, and, or that, I mean, some may, but I started going to a church, um, because there was a girl I liked. Okay. And, uh, when I became a Christian, uh, when the Lord saved me, um, Everybody, not everybody, most people thought I was faking it mm. and that I was just going to, 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 to put on a mask and to oppress this person. And, um, and, and man, there was, there was, there was a couple guys, uh, that, that came around me and said, Hey man, we're, we, we want to, we want to pour into you, we, you know, and, and, but, but then there were so many days that I was walking to Sunday school and walking to Bible study and just praying how, how Lord, I guess it's just us. Like yeah. <laughs> nobody yeah. believed me. And, 
uh, when I went to get baptized, uh, the youth pastor that, that I, that I wanted to baptize me, um, you know, he, um, he flat out said, I don't believe you. Wow. Like I had to practically beg him to be baptized. And, um, so yeah, man, I, we, as believers, we are called to hope. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. Hope all things. Right. Um, it's you a know, very post mill verse right there. Oh gosh. You get arrested. <laughs> gotta throw it in there no no no, no. that's a very <laughs> biblical verse yeah. right there um you know so so hey that, post mill biblical same thing <laughs> oh, another, another conversation for another time um but yeah so so when it comes to forgiveness that's what we're called to we're, that's who we're called to be that's 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 what we're what we're commanded to do mm-hmm. uh, we, we are not above god in this um right. You know, and, and, and it may be one of those things that, you know what, well, how, well, Chris, how many times do I have to keep forgiving this person? And does, does forgiving this person, does that mean that I continue to put myself out there to get run over if they do it again? Well, I mean, a couple of things I would say to that is number one, where does your strength come from? Mm-hmm. Who does your strength come from? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, number two, at the same time, we are called to guard our hearts. So I would say, mm-hmm. I would say, seek wisdom. I yeah. would say, seek pastoral wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that's a perfect segue mm-hmm. into really talking about your side note here Yeah, <laughs> that you mentioned, because, you know, like, look, as a pastor, um, like I, I, I remember when a story that John MacArthur told when he was hired at Grace Community Church in February of, uh, of, of 69. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that he asked for was in his schedule throughout the week, if he could have anywhere between 20 and 30 hours to devote specifically towards the study and preparation uh, for Sunday. And, and, and they agreed to it. And that's absolutely needed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like to truly exposit the scriptures um, faithfully. Truthfully, yeah, yeah. If you just, just if if you're a pastor and you know Saturday night around you know eleven o'clock, you go, well, the Lord spoke to me. Yeah, no, He didn't. No, no, no. Because you don't have time to prepare your message (laughs) and bring out what He wants to tell you. Just right, throwing that out there. And there may be times that that you know you you get up there and and you are prepared, Mm -hmm. and the Lord takes things in different directions, and or, or or at you know you're you're in the moment, you're preaching, and 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 then. You know, you say, say if, if I'm preaching through, I'm just right here at first Corinthians 13 and I'm like, okay, we're going to get through, we're going to go all the way through verse eight. But then really I get hung up on love is patient, love is kind. Mm-hmm. And then you go, well, okay, well, we're just going to have to finish this next week. Right. That's different right. than, than just not preparing and just going, well, I had an outline, but the Lord told me something else last night. Yeah. So I'm doing something else. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. So how many so, times has that actually been in the context of scripture? Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> like that exactly. So so, so he asked for that time, that, that 20 to 30 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that still leaves 20 to 30 hours plus a week to do the work mm-hmm. of a shepherd. Right. And, uh, and I loved your side note, man, because you and I have both heard um, from the same and different sources, uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, like... Uh, I, you know, that's just not my wheelhouse. That's just not my strengths. I don't do that. Or they leave it up to a small group leader. Um, when the role of a pastor is to shepherd, mm-hmm. to be in the weeds, right. to be in the thick of life, 
mm-hmm. uh, and to be walking with your flock. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what you got, man? Yeah, it's, this is one of those things because again, in, in the context of the conversation, you're talking to someone, sometimes there could be something where uh, it's too much for you to handle. And this person is really struggling in there. And, and you can tell it, it's hurting them far beyond what you actually thought. You do need to involve a pastor because this person has some things that they have to work through. And one of the things that's so discouraging to me is seeing all these people who take on the title of pastor, but they only fulfill the role of a preacher because a, a pastor is, is a shepherd. They, they are to tend to the flock. They're to tend to the well-being of the flock. So it's not the sheep's job to come seek out the pastor when they're hurting. It's, it's the shepherd's job to continuously be looking out for the sheep. Okay, this sheep is hurt. I need to make time to tend to that sheep. Can right. you say that again, though? Can you can you rewind and talk about who's who's supposed to do what again? Because that was good. I want oh, you to say that again. Like it's the pastor's job to tend to the sheep. It's not the sheep's job to seek out the pastor. Right. That part. Yeah. 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 When have you ever seen a hurt sheep go seek out its shepherd and go, "Hey, this wolf bit my leg. I need you to tend to me." No. It's the shepherd that looks and sees the injured sheep and drops everything to go tend to that sheep and mend it and nurse it back to health, right? He doesn't have other like 40 other small group leaders that say, hey, go check on sheep number 27. I think he might be hurt, right? Or tell the sheep, hey, if you got a problem, uh, don't call me at four o'clock in the morning. Call one of these other you know, guys over here. I'm sorry, but if you tell me that, it, it, at that point, I would no longer have a pastor because that's not the role of a pastor, right? I, I need to be able to communicate with my pastor. If, I'm, if, if I have some kind of family hurt, if I know someone else that is hurt, mm. I need to be able to reach out to my pastor and say, hey, this is what's going on. And them to, to actually care about me, to actually drop what they're doing and say, you know what? I'm the Lord's servant and this person is a member of my flock and I am going to tend to them because that's way more important than watching you know, Mississippi State or whatever on, on Saturday. Well, yeah, and, and, and so... Uh, brother, I, 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 I agree with you. It's, you know, when you look at the, the reason that in scripture, um, there's a very good reason that we are called sheep. Because mm-hmm. we're <laughs> stupid. I'm just going to say. Exactly. So, and some people yeah. might be listening to this going, yeah, you are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Amen and right on. Remember we were talking about perspective, right. that, that presupposition. <laughs> I'm a sheep. I need a shepherd. Christ is the great, the chief shepherd, mm-hmm. right? Um, who we submit to, the head of the church, the chief mm-hmm. cornerstone. Um, so, so but, but he but, has appointed under shepherds. Exactly, exactly. And those under shepherds are to 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 do what he does and what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so you're absolutely right. When you look at sheep, when, when when not only is not only is an injured sheep 
not going to go seek out his pastor because when you, okay. So when you think about a kid, right, my son, if he hurts or doesn't feel good, he's going to come to me. Mm -hmm. He's going to go to my wife. He's going to come to me. Sheep don't do that. Right. Sheep need to be led to be sheared. Mm -hmm. Otherwise they are so dirty and so nasty and so not with it that if they don't have that, they will die. That's right. Okay. So when you look at the role of a pastor, it isn't just to preach. That's a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. You, you shepherd from the pulpit. You're faithful through the proper exposition and application of the word. You know, you, you read the text, teach the text, support the text, synthesize the text and exhort with the text, right? Yeah. That's Which, your job. Hold on, time out real quick. Cause this what? just hit me. If, 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 if you're a claim to be a pastor and you say that counseling is not your wheelhouse, you don't even need to be preaching because part of preaching in the sermon is to, is, is to counsel from the pulpit, address the needs of the congregation. Yes. Amen. Right on. So, so again, as as I do, if you guys listen to the podcast at all, or you know me at all, you know, I'm, I'm constantly going, how do we, how do, how do we get back here? Right. How do we get back Mm -hmm. here? So first Peter five. All right. The, the new American standard, uh, Bible, the, 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 the non-Armenian standard Bible, the, the, the superior translation, because it's word for word, literal, Literal. um, something we agree on. Hey, it says this in first Peter five, therefore. Okay. And what is the therefore, right? Well, first Peter, Peter has walked through, uh, first of all, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's walked through our living hope. He's walked through who we are as newborns in Christ as living stones. Um, uh, we honor authority. Christ has been our example. We live godly and holy lives. So he's walked through all this. And then in first Peter five, he says this, and check out the way this is worded, okay? It, this is, oh, I love God's word because it's so specific. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, okay, and el- uh, fellow elders, okay? Also, you could, uh, is translated that way. I exhort you uh, as your fellow elder, okay? And the fellow elder there, um, and the word elders, uh, is, is the same one that you find in 66 other places in the New Testament. Um, he says, as, as a felder elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Okay, so because of all of that, notice Christ's example, notice his sufferings, notice his life, notice what he's been through and what is promised for the future. What does he say to do? Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to what? The will of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not because you have to. Okay, I'm a pastor, so I guess I have to meet with these people. I have to have lunch with them. I have to go to the hospital, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No. Your desire should be, and let me share this. Nate Pickowitz, 
Um, uh, I've had the chance to, to meet this brother a couple of times and, and, and love, I love this guy. He and Dustin Binge uh, have written a book called the American Church. <laughs> Get it? Well, it's, what, what's funny is when you said Nate, like my mind immediately went back to when we were at Shepherd's conference and I just kind of look over and he's standing in the book line, like to ship his book books back to, yeah. to home. And he just looks over and he sees us and he's just giving this wave like, Hey guys. Hey guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, was, so, it was funny. It <laughs> was, but Nate, all right. So during the, the COVID pandemic, right? All the stuff that's gone on with COVID-19 and, and not being able to meet. So there were some people in his church who um, he, he would come each week and preach and, and stream that as, as, as a lot of churches were doing and should have been doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But there were some people in his church that, printed out pictures of his congregation and, and taped them to the pews, including his family, like pictures of his family. And they didn't tell him that he did it. And, and, and he had been talking about on Twitter and sending messages about how much he missed his, his, his church family um, at, at Harvest there um, in New Hampshire. And so when he, they videoed this and, and when he saw the pictures of his people, the people that God has chosen for him to shepherd, he broke down in tears of mm. joy and sorrow because he missed them so much. Mm. That's the heart of a pastor. Right. Yeah. And, you know, in, uh, I, I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Richard Baxter's, the reform, reform pastor. pastor. Yeah. Um, now say what you will about Richard Baxter, um, some questionable things, but this is a man who had a congregation of around what, three to 500 people, I believe. But every day he would go meet with about three families every day, three or four families. He would meet with them. He would minister to them and he would catechize them. Mm. That's a pastor that's invested in his congregation. It's not, they're, they're not just a face that's a, what's that guy's name? I've seen him a couple times. I know he's visited, but you know, what's that guy's name? I don't know. You know, he, they don't become just a face. They right. actually become people that need ministering to. And mm. we all, we all need ministering to. Well, Absolutely, man. Well, I think back to, uh, you know, reading The Great Awakening, and I think back to Edwards and Whitfield, uh, Gilbert Tennant, and, and, and men like this who would, um, you know, uh, the, the whole point of The Great Awakening was this incredible revival that took place um, uh, uh, in, in America and beyond as the gospel was proclaimed. Mm-hmm. And these Presbyterian preachers uh, would preach these, these 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 incredible sermons that would do everything that we've talked about, right? They would talk about the doctrine of God, the doctrine of sin, our need for a savior. And again, you can't understand salvation and a savior without understanding sin. Right? People would be like this book says they they would bewail over being broken over their sin. Mm-hmm. And there were so many converts. There were so many people who were professing faith in Christ. But, but when you read The Great Awakening, you will see that one of the things that these pastors and these faithful men fought against 
um, was those false conversions was mm-hmm. were were the people that would say that they prof- that they would profess Christ, but they didn't possess true religion, is how the Great Awakening words that. Right. Right. Um, and so so these men would meet with these people. You know, you read stories about George Whitfield and George Whitfield going and preaching these sermons and and revival breaking out, true movement of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. where the Holy Spirit is convicting of sin and, and, and regeneration is happening and, and people are getting it. But, but again, they would spend the time um, to, to, to do that, right? To, to shepherd uh, the, the, the flock of God um, and, and providing and, and being, proving to be examples to the flock as, uh, as, as 1 Peter 5, 3 says. And you know, I think about Paul Washer, right, at Praise Mill, the last time we were there, when he mm-hmm. said, look, I've got to get on a plane. But if the Lord is moving in your heart and your life, and, and, I, and if I could, I would spend as many hours with you as I, as I, as I could, mm-hmm. as, as needed, because your soul is worth it. Right. And there are so many pastors today um, and, and, and preachers today who think that they can run their church like a business mm-hmm. and that they can get up there and, and, and you have church planning networks that make it all about the pastor, all about the pastor, all about the pastor, all about the pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and they set it up like a business and, and it's just like a hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. You have your first among co-equals as far as your elders. That's true. That's biblical. Right. But then you set it up to where it, it just, it, it, it's like a business tree mm-hmm. that, that comes down and you leave the discipleship up to the people who are not called and have been proven and tested to be called men. Mm-hmm to eldered and shepherd the flock of God when that that's not the way that the Bible sets up the role of a pastor. Right. Right. Rabbit trail. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's good. So, uh, the pastor, (laughs) I I mean, well, you know, it it seems, I know it seems like a rabbit trail, you know, you guys got off to talk about pastors and, and the role of a pastor, but it's necessary in this conversation. Because you could, and it may not even be a conversation about racism. It could be any other conversation. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, 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 is just, is, that is overwhelming for you, right? And there could be times where you have to go to a pastor. Mm. You have to take this person to a pastor, or you have to involve a pastor in something. And what you want to do is you want to be able to have confidence that your pastor is going to be there for Mm -hmm. that because nothing, I think, man, nothing is more uh, destructive to the local church than a, a pastor that is only present in name only. Mm. Right. He's, he's there on Sundays, gives the message, but then the rest of the week you can't get a hold of them. You know, and one of the things, uh, so, you know, with the whole COVID thing that's been going on, you know, uh, my wife and I, you know, we haven't been attending our, our church plant that, that we attend. Um, but once, once the church started reopening again, and it, it was noticed by my pastor that we hadn't been there since mm-hmm. the reopening, what did I get? I got a phone call. Hey man, uh, you know, we, I don't, we've been open for a couple of weeks. Haven't seen you. Are you okay? Is there anything that we can do? Like, do you need us to do anything? Mm. Right. Reaching out to me. 
right? And, and I am so appreciative of things like that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now let's bring this kind of back to forgiveness and start wrapping it up. Sure, man. One of the things that the Christian is called to do in their walk is to continually be extending forgiveness. Why do we do that? Because people are going to sin against us. People are going to hate us. Non-believers are going to hate us because we identify with Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? Think back to, to the Reformation. Think back to those Puritans. Uh, they were hated because they held to sola scriptura. They held to Christ alone to the glory of God alone. They were burned, but those people counted as joy to suffer. Mm -hmm. People are going to hate us because of who we identify with. Yeah. But when we come together, brother and brother, brother and sister, right? In Christ, there should be a love for one another. Why? Because we are more knit together as brothers and sisters in Christ than our own flesh and blood who are, who are not believers. And so if any of my brothers or sisters sin against me, I should immediately seek to forgive them. And I mean, and, and, and I'll give, you know, kind of a personal example a couple of years ago. Um, and this took place on social media, on social media. Uh, but it was, just, I mean, and really it was a bad day. Um, and I was just not having it from anyone. And I went off, I went off on a lot of people that day. I contacted the, the man who was my pastor at the time and, uh, a couple of his sons who I was, I was still really close with cause they were some that I went off on. And I said, Hey, can we meet in person? And two of them were able to meet the other one couldn't, but I went. And I met them and the first thing I did was ask for their forgiveness. Mm. And the first thing they, they said to me was, you know what? It's already been extended. The moment this was done, I didn't even hold it against you. I knew something was up and and I know you, and I know that's not who you are. It Mm. was already extended. Wow. Mm. That's how believers need to be with one another. Amen, man. You know, I think uh, a couple different passages of scripture for, you know, to, to wrap up, you know, I, Ephesians 4 um, is, is th- this section's entitled The Christian's Walk. And, uh, you know, um, man, there, 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 there's, some, there's some powerful things in verses 17 through 32, but I'm going to stick to just two. Um, verse 31 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger clamor and slander be put away from you along with Mm. malice be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving each other just as god in christ also has forgiven Mm. you yeah um and that's it Mm -hmm. you have been forgiven much Mm -hmm. um and uh you know it's and brother, I've been there. I've been there with you, right? I've, mm-hmm. I've, there have been times I've called you and, 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 and been like, Hey man, I, 
did I, did I say so? I feel like I said something and just, I mean, I didn't mean to say this and I'm sorry if I did. And, mm. and, and, and you were like, man, no, you're, I mean, yeah, you did, but you're good. I mean, you're, mm. I, I know you so the same kind of deal. And, mm. uh, that that's extremely important mm-hmm. that we are quick to forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's, it's, um, yes, we, if we wrong someone, if we sin against someone, we should repent and ask forgiveness from the Lord, but then repent and ask forgiveness from those who we sin against mm-hmm. and confess our sin to that person um, uh, immediately. But, but if someone has sinned against you, you need to forgive them before they ask. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a clear command in Scripture. Um, it's, it's, it's clearly implied, but then also that theme is there mm-hmm. when you start studying what we've been forgiven. Right, right. It's both explicit and implicit as well. Exactly. And and now I do want to encourage you that may be listening. This is not just the person you're talking to, them seeking to forgive someone. If they're accusing you of racism and you're not a racist or they're accusing you of whatever and it's not true, you know, yada, yada, you also must forgive. Absolutely. The person that you're talking to. So with that, we hope that this discussion on forgiveness and applying forgiveness within the gospel has been helpful to you. We hope that you will apply it. Uh, We seek to apply it all the time uh, because we are sheep. We are stupid and we are failures every single day. (laughs) But uh, amen that we serve a gracious and merciful Mm. God that does not hold our sin against us. Therefore, we should not hold other people's sins against them and we should not hold the sins that they commit against us against them as well. That's right. Amen. So with that, we're going to get out of here for this episode and we will catch you on the next episode of the conversation Chronicles.